This is Cruise Radio. If you're traveling with travel insurance, you're traveling smart. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. You're going to get a review of Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas this week. Sherry Kennedy is here with Cruise News. And answer one of your listener questions about disembarkation on the world's largest cruise ship. So first things first, Sherry Kennedy is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Big news with Carnival that just happened over the weekend was that they are bringing a new ship to somewhere other than Florida. Yeah, see, you know, this is amazing. I think it's going to be a trend, but they announced that they're going to put the new Carnival Panorama in Long Beach in 2019. So, and they're making a big investment. They just had a grand opening, I think. One of the writers with Cruise Radio, Heather Baxter, was over covering the event in Long Beach, and she had a chance to talk with Christine Duffy, the president of Carnival, and asked her, why is the West Coast such an important market? This is what she had to say. Play soundbite number four. You know, Carnival has been on the West Coast for a long time, and one of the things that I think is unique about our brand, and I like to say we are America's cruise line, is we're here all year around. So while many of our sister brands and other cruise lines are sailing from home ports around the world and other source markets, with the exception of the ships we have in Australia, our ships are home ported um, in North America and we're here all year round. So I think that uh, that level of commitment into the destination gives us the support from the community to do a development project like this. Now, Long Beach has, their terminal is like a dome, right? I've never been there. The largest free-span geodesic dome, when those were invented by Buckminster Fuller a long time ago, but it's the largest one. And inside, um, I saw some pictures, and it was kind of cute. They've got uh, a replica of Howard Hughes' Spruce Goose, which is way before your time and mine. <laughs> but at least, you know, I, I, we saw the movie The Aviator, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that's the Spruce Goose. But, yeah, it's really an interesting dome. Um, I was just in Long Beach, actually, uh, leaving one of the ships, and I could see it off in the distance. Um, What what is that big white dome? But, yeah, so it's kind of cool. But, yeah, the Carnival Panorama is going to be there. It's uh, going to hold, what, 3,900-plus passengers, and it's going to be the third uh, Vista-class ship next to the Carnival Vista and the Horizon, which is coming out very soon. Heather also had a chance to talk with Carlos Torres de Navarra. He's the VP of Port Operations for Carnival. And Heather asked him, how does this terminal differ from other cruise terminals out there? And this is what he had to say. Play number seven. So the idea was to try and create an experience at the terminal level before you get on the ship. And so you don't necessarily have that airport-style seating because we're not an airline. We're not in the business of transportation. We're in the business of vacations. So in order to do that, we need to really transform the terminal. So in addition to the theming, we also had a focus on ensuring that we had a true two-way terminal. So for 15 years, we've been operating out of one side, and the idea was that we needed to have true sort of two right-brain, left-brain kind of thing where we have two separate operations. One side that handles all the baggage and the debarkation side, and the other side where our guests can check in while the debark is happening instead of having them wait outside, which is essentially what happened for 15 years here. Sherry, do you think we're going to see more ships based out on the West Coast instead of uh, overseas, maybe? I'm looking at availability, for example, and Europe sailings this spring and summer. It seems to be kind of wide open, and I think a lot of people are traveling closer to home. 
that's my sentiment. I could be way off base, but that's what I'm finding. So I think you're going to start seeing more ships going to California, maybe even uh, more to what Galveston or something like that, keeping it closer to home. Yeah, Alaska's going to be big again. And speaking of the West Coast, Carnival Splendor was just sent there from Miami, but it's only going to be there a little bit longer. By December of 2019, Carnival Splendor is heading for Sydney, Australia. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm trying to get to Sydney without having to fly, of course. And I thought, well, this would be an opportunity, but it's going to Singapore first. And the itineraries have not been released yet. So I don't know if it's just going to do one or two cruises out of Singapore, which, you know, I can handle that. But Basically, it's going to be doing Sydney for 2019 and 2020 also. So they're booking up for two years for the Splendor. Royal Caribbean's Mariner of the Seas, a ship that hasn't been in the States for a little while. She's coming home with some new enhancements. What's the deal? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I remember when the Mariner was leaving here to go to Asia and did three segments from Port Canaveral all the way over there. And I knew some people that actually did. It was a 45-day trip. And by the time they left, it was dirt cheap to go. So I don't know if coming back, it's going to be a a bargain if someone wants to do the whole segment from Asia back to Miami. But yeah, she's coming back in June of this summer. um, And she'll do three and four night cruises to the Bahamas, and it'll include Nassau and Coco Key. It's going into dry dock for a major refurbishment. And uh, dozens of new staterooms are going to be added from insides to suites. And some of the usual signature um, attractions, if you want to call them, that are going to be added. There's going to be a flow rider, a three-story water slide twister deal, um, laser tag, some new restaurants uh, that will also include a Polynesian-themed bar called the Bamboo Room. That hmm. sounds like fun. Yeah. Get, get your Mai Tai, right? Absolutely. Get your mai tai. <laughs> and then they're doing this new thing. This is, reminds me of when they started with um, iFly. You know, it was mm-hmm. a funny name thing. This is going to be called SkyPad, but it's a virtual reality trampoline, and you'll put on a little headset. And if you know, if you don't get seasick from being, you know, from the virtual realityness of it all, you can feel like you're bouncing around from planet to planet all around the universe, uh. or, you know, moon craters and things. So, you know, I don't know if I would try it, but it sounds interesting. It'll just be another, you know, another attraction that another ship has. So, it should be fun. Now, Mariner of the Seas, she's no spring chicken. She's been out for uh, 15 or so years, right? 2003, I yeah, think. Yeah, wow. Okay. So yep. she has a yep. promenade, I think. Mariner sure, sure does. Yeah. yeah. It used to be, it was here in Port Canaveral for a long, long time, and we loved that ship. It was like the little bitty one, and then you've got, then the Explorer came, Explorer of the Seas, and we thought, well, that's the Mariner on steroids, and then mm-hmm. we got, you know, the next bigger one, and it's like, they just, it's, it's nice because they keep the same layout with the promenade but just keeps getting bigger and and, you know so it's kind of neat but yeah it's a great we love that ship it's it's some ships just have i don't know what it is just some uh je ne sais quoi i guess you know they they have some charm Mm -hmm. and if you go on the specific ship enough you really it's like you're home you feel very comfortable and mariner was one of those ships so was the old sovereign a lot of listeners love the northern uh, europe itinerary and it looks like holland america is sending one of their new builds up there now yeah it's the new staten dom and it's going to launch in december and then in december of 18 and on december 5th <laughs> excuse me for that one the staten dom will leave from italy and it's going to come over and be home ported in fort lauderdale for the winter season of 18 
But then in 19, the New Amsterdam is heading back to Europe, and that's when these Northern Europe cruises will start. Ship will be home ported in Amsterdam for Baltic cruises through the summer. And then if you happen to like med cruises, stick around because the ship is going to be uh, relocated to Civitavecchia near Rome for med cruises in the fall before the ship comes back again at the end of October uh, to Fort Lauderdale for another winter season. We love getting your listener questions. You can email me, Doug, at cruiseradio.net, D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. Phil from Tampa, what's the quickest way to disembark Oasis of the Seas? We are worried that debark will be a mess with nearly 6,000 people trying to get off the same time we do. Well, Phil, (laughs) I was just on Oasis in December and with 6,000 people, um, you know what? It's it's really not a problem at all. Um, of course, you know, the quickest way if you want to just get off the ship, of course, is to do the early morning self-assisted walk-off. But, you know, you have to haul your own luggage, and that means going across carpeting, you know, on and off of elevators. And I don't do it anymore. I know, Doug, you still do the early morning oh, walk-off, I'm, right? I'm the first one off the ship every time. <laughs> yeah, and I'm usually the last one off, which <laughs> <laughs> which begs the question that Phil was asking. Even if you're the last one off this ship, um, it's it's that middle time crunch that we try to avoid. So what I do, if you're not doing what Doug does, I try to get the luggage tag that designates the last possible time to leave the ship. And, um, for example, I did that, as I said, last December, and I timed it from the time I walked out of my stateroom, which was on deck eight, Till I got my key in the ignition in the parking lot, which was on the um, the outside top deck, was mm-hmm. about 35 minutes. And I still had to go into the terminal, find my suitcase, and, you know, walk through that out across the parking lot and into the garage and up the elevator to the car. So don't go right in the middle. Go either like Doug does early or like I do late, and, and there's no problem. One other thing to Phil's point the porters have their own express line, don't they, when it comes to disembark? Maybe it's not an express line, but they seem to get out a lot quicker with your luggage than the general public does. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. And you have to tip them if you're going to mm-hmm. do that. I do that all the time. When I come in on the Queen Mary in New York, you've got an immigration line that's without even using those blue forms anymore. It's a mile long, but I'll get a porter. I have like one big suitcase and a little carry-on, um, but I'll still give him, you know, 5 $8.00. And he goes on his little trolley all the way around the side. They have, like, it's not a designated uh, porter or, you know, attendant line. But, you know, you don't wait more than two or three minutes. And you just sort of walk by everybody else that's looking at you. And it's like, well, for five bucks, you know, a bag, you can do this too. But they don't always do that. Talking with Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. And thank you to Heather for getting those sound bites for me in Long Beach over the weekend. Couldn't do it without y'all. Thanks, Doug. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at CruiseRadio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. 
For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Kathy and 60 of her friends just returned from a three-night Bahamas cruise on Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas. And Kathy joins us on the line this evening. Hello, Kathy. Hello, how are you? Good. 60 friends on a Super Bowl cruise. Uh, how did you get all... First off, I, I would be lucky to have 10 friends that want to cruise with me. How did you do this? This was actually a group cruise. It was my first official group cruise for the group that I created called Royal Caribbean Periscopers. We uh, live stream video from the cruise ships. And so well, we need to cruise together. So... That's how I got 60 people on the cruise with me. Now, of course, normally we would ask you here, what, are your, what were your pre-cruise thoughts about going on this? Of course, you had the 60 people going with you, but Enchantment of the Seas is a special ship for you. It was my very first cruise ship that I ever sailed on in September of 2006, and I had not had the chance to get back on it for, you know, just because of family and timing since September 2006. So I was very excited um, to get back on this ship. When I sailed on it in September of 2006, it was actually right after they stretched it. Yeah, 73 so, feet, right? Yes, yes. So I actually got to sail on it after it was stretched. So you made your way down to Miami. How was it embarkation? Actually, no, you went down a night early. So uh, how was your pre-cruise stay down there? Um, it was really great. We actually uh, found a hotel to stay at South Beach, a place to crash for the night. Um, I had arranged a pre-cruise meetup at a place called American Social, and it was in the uh, Brickell neighborhood of Miami. I don't know Miami too well, but it was actually a really awesome place to have a pre-cruise meetup because... I had told them I had a party of about 20 um, cruisers joining me. Awesome. So the next day you went to board Enchantment of the Seas. And, uh, we were kind of talking off mic for a second. You went there a little early and you said you should never arrive at the port too early. Okay. So I had a few cruisers that were getting off Navigator of the Seas um, that were not joining us on the Enchantment of the Seas, but I wanted to still make sure to see them. So I had ranged a pre-cruise meetup on embarkation day at Terminal F in front of Enchantment. And we got there about 9.30 in the morning. And it was hectic as all get out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's like A, B, C, you know, there's letters where you drop, you know, your luggage off and stuff. But there was cruisers that were actually, you know, trying to leave from getting off Enchantment. And you have all the porters at the beginning of the line. Well, the lady made us go all the way to the end to drop off our bags where no porters were found. Don't so it was, it was very hectic. So my recommendation is to not get to the <laughs> terminal before 10 a.m. 
So <laughs> you you got there at nine thirty. You met you met your friends from Navigator. What time did they finally let, let you into the terminal? Um, we actually went in probably about I would say ten after ten. Okay. So we did we did get there early, you know, because I was already there, and we kind of hung out for a little while with the Navigator crews. And was like, okay, it's ten o'clock. Let's go. Ten ten. You walked into the terminal. How long did it take until you can get on the cruise ship? Very fast. Um, I actually was in the. Um, I stayed. My cabin is in the suite. So I got to uh, sit in the special area um, for the suite and pinnacle members. Cool. Um, Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, we just kind of hung out. Probably it was maybe about, I would say, 10, 15 minutes before uh, we were escorted on by the concierge officer. With Royal Caribbean, I'm not really too familiar because I, I don't have any kind of like status with them. Um, if you have whatever they're like, I don't know, is, is platinum or diamond or whatever. Can you board earlier than the normal people? Like, is there a priority line for you? There is. There is. Um, as far as like Royal Caribbean, they have the crown and anchor status. Mm-hmm. Um, after you go on your first cruise, you're a gold member. So gold is like the first level. Platinum is the next level. And then you've got emerald, diamond, diamond plus. And then Pinnacle. Okay. So, uh, and then you, suites, if you're staying in a suite, you're kind of, you know, they give you priority boarding and, you know, you you have some really nice perks mm-hmm. if you stay in a suite. And we'll talk more about that later yeah. as far as, because this is my first experience with a suite. So they have a really nice lounge area versus the general seating area. So they're just a little bit more nicer cushions and <laughs> for you know for people to you know and i think um that area is for pentacles and suites so like the top of the and diamond plus members okay so you make your way on board the ship uh, what were your first impressions of enchantment i mean it's been tw- almost 12 years since you've sailed her last yeah it it was beautiful um i don't you know i would love to say i remembered you know everything from when i was on in 2006 but it was like i was working you know, walking onto a cruise ship for the very first time, you know, had having never seen it mm-hmm. um, just because it had been so long. Um, it was absolutely beautiful. It has a beautiful centrium. Um, you know, it's just always exciting once you step over the threshold and like, I'm on the cruise ship. That's always the exciting part. And I like watching people who walk onto the ship for their first time and seeing their face too, because it's always like, you know, their mouth is open, like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Yes. You make your way on the ship. You go to your stateroom. You mentioned you had a suite. So what did you think of it? And what kind of suite was it? It was a grand suite. It was a grand suite. And um, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, They, you know, they had like a bowl of fruit there waiting from, you know, from the concierge, you know, officer. And um, her name was uh, the late representative. Her name was Perla on Enchantment of the Seas, and she, she just makes sure, you know, if we have any requests or any special requests, just to let her know. Um, very sweet. Have her on speed dial if we needed to. <laughs> now, as far as the space goes in the cabin, what do you think about that and the balcony area? Oh, beautiful. I, there was so much. I had more space than I had stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I had more space, like there's drawers and cabinets, and there the space in a grand suite is absolutely amazing. Um, it has like a kind of like a lounge area where it's got the coffee table and the couch, 
and then it has a bar. It has like a, you know, wet dry bar right there. And it's got drawers and it has a refrigerator right there. Has a nice vanity area over by the uh, bed. The balcony is large, large enough. It held two loungers and a table and two chairs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So you could, so, host, you could um, host a little party in there if you wanted to. I could have. I could have. But it was just, it was so nice. Was it just you and your husband on board? It, it was. Cool. It was. Just, yep. Yeah, in the suites, do the bathrooms have anything special like a whirlpool? Not in the grand suite. Okay. In, the royal, in the royal suite they do, but they do have a bathtub. Okay. They do gotcha. have a bathtub. So junior suite and above, some of the junior suites sometimes will have a walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. But um, ours was just, you know, regular closets, but there was like two or three of them. Like I said, there was more yeah. more space than I could ever have dreamed of. And I brought a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I always overpack. Yeah, a lot of space is not a bad thing. Yeah. Let's transition here to dining. What do you think about the dining? We'll start at the Windjammer at the top of the ship and work our way down from there. Actually, on um, embarkation day, I avoided the Windjammer mm-hmm. just because, you know, I just know that just having cruised before, if there's other options that are available on embarkation day, I usually tend to, you know, go somewhere else just because I know how I don't like the crowds and, you know, the food rushing. And so I actually ate at um, in the solarium. They have uh, the roast beef sandwiches and, like, fresh-made salad. A lot of the cruisers kind of headed for the solarium. The solarium on Enchantment is absolutely breathtaking. Um, It is a beautiful place. And they have right there just a little cafe. And so that's what I did as far as my first, you know, first meal on board. The dining room. What time dining did you have and what did you think of it? We had the 8.30. Okay. It was beautiful. We had probably with my group because my whole group was sat together. We probably had like five or six tables mm-hmm. of all of us. Yeah, we, you know, we had a big group. So five or six tables. And the wait staff is absolutely amazing. Very attentive. The food was really, really great. I'm trying to even remember what I had. Hey, while you're thinking about that, whenever you're um, doing a group like 60 people and you have five or six different tables, are you pretty much sitting at the same table every time or do you all change it up and switch tables around? Um, I think, you know, we we pretty much sat at the same tables, but I have been, you know, I have been on other group cruises where they kind of change it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. There was some seat changing going on. So there were people that were at one table one night, then they sat at another table the other night. I know for myself, I just kind of sat at the same, pe- you know, same table, but everybody, you know, we were shifting around. Yeah, I'm, I'm a creature of habit like that. I, I just got back from a, a group with about 60 people on it, and that's how it was. Like I sat in my same chair, same table every single night while other people around me kind of rotated. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'll just stay here. Yeah, exactly. It's much easier. You know, you got to remember where you're sitting. Um, So (laughs) as far as the food, um, favorite meal? Probably my favorite meal. Oh, gosh. I think it was probably the – I think we had chicken marsala one night. Yum. And it was – yeah, it was really, really good. Um, And it had like mashed potatoes and I think – that was m- most likely my most favorite. And how about favorite dessert? 
Oh, wow. Um, it was, oh, oh, the cheesecake, the cheesecake. Mm. Yes. The New York, I, yeah. I am a sucker. I am a sucker for cheesecake. <laughs> so I had, I had the uh, New York cheesecake with the strawberries on it. And so that was my favorite dessert. Um, other venues around the ship for food. Did you stop by the pizza joint? Um, I did stop by the pizza joint that I don't, I, I just, I don't know why, but I missed that one. It happens. You're, you're only on a three night cruise, right? So yeah, yeah, it was only a three night. It was not long enough. All right. So, uh, we'll talk about entertainment then. How was the entertainment on this three night cruise? Um, so for the entertainment, because it was only a three night cruise and I was hosting, I was the host of the group cruise. We didn't really get to see any of the shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did the quest and I am happy to say that we once again held our title as the number one winners nice. of the quest. Yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, um, you know, anyone that has sailed on a Royal Caribbean ship will know what the quest is. But for anyone that does not know what the quest is, the quest is basically an adult scavenger hunt. And when I mean adult, there is no children um, to be at this venue at all. And the cruise director lets everyone know in, in advance that if anyone is easily offended, <laughs> they need to probably see their way out. Um, because it can get a little wild at times with some of the requests. I love it. I've been there. Trust me. Uh, music around the ship. How was that? Um, it was really great. We, uh, we, there is a Boleros. Um, there's the Schooner Lounge. And then there is the Viking Crown Lounge, which we um, they start off with having music in the centrium. Mm-hmm. They had like the 70s party going on, which was absolutely so much fun. We we started, you know, dancing in the centrium and then the DJ moves up to the Viking Crown Lounge where the the club music really happens. So and that's the place to be. Awesome. And I, I guess this was a Super Bowl cruise, too. So were, were they playing Super Bowl all over the ship? Pretty much they were. They had it on the big screen on the uh, main deck. Mm-hmm. They had it in the theater. And I think they had it in one of the bars. Was Howard Watch- and Alex crying like a baby when their Patriots lost? Oh, they weren't happy, but <laughs> not not happy a bit. Mm-mm. Yeah, it was it was definitely a a divided house on on our sailing on on Super Bowl two. Well, let's talk about now. You went to Bahamas on this cruise, so that leaves you with what one sea day? Right. Well, there was two ports. That's actually. right. Coco and was, Nassau. We actually attempted to go to Coco Cay, but mm-hmm. we were not able to because of the weather. Oh. So we had to miss it, which. And in all retrospect, you know, I, I went to Coco Cay last year on Majesty of the Seas. Mm-hmm. This year was a little bit different because it was really cold. Yeah. It was like cold outside. And so, I mean, I was kind of looking forward to going to Coco Cay because my husband with, was with me and he had never been. And, you know, we were going to we had in our schedule to meet at the floating bar mm-hmm. at, at Coco Cay. But it was like really cold and windy, and the captain felt it was in our best interest to kind of miss it because the tendering would have the waves were crashing, you know, as we were approaching Coco Cay, 
we saw the condition of what was going on. We saw the waves crashing against the shore, and we kind of already had an idea that the captain was going to cancel it because of the conditions. But I was actually not too sad that we missed it because it gave me time to enjoy the ship, enjoy my suite. <laughs> we headed for Nassau um, when we were told that the cruise was canceled for Coco Cay, that we weren't going to you know, be able to visit it. He headed straight for Nassau. We actually got to overnight in Nassau, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah, awesome. I didn't actually end up getting off the ship that night because, you know, we missed Coco Cay. And so we kind of had a sea day, which was nice because I, you know, I went in the hot tub in the solarium and then I was able to relax and enjoy my cabin. Because that's the thing with the three day, it goes so fast. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't have any sea days, then, you know, you're just you're you're on the run and on the go and you feel like you're rushed. In Nassau, did you um, the next day, did you get off and do anything? I did. I did get off. So we got off and we um, hung out with a couple of our friends from the cruise group and we got on to one of the buses and went to the other side of the island mm-hmm. um, to do some touring and walking around. We went to the Daiquiri Shack. Mm-hmm. Da- yeah, the Daiquiri Shack, which is like a very uh, local favorite hot spot for um, getting, you know, I got a version pina colada because i was like i was drinking the (laughs) night before i'm like i'm just gonna keep it keep it you know so i got a really yummy smoothie um it was really awesome and we kind of just walked around and then we ended up taking a uh taxi back to the main kind of port area and we were walking around and uh doing our local you know knickknack shopping and um my husband came across this thing. It was a uh, brand new thing that has just opened where you can do a uh, flight simulator of a 737. And awesome. So I have a, I have a few people that are quite interested in that. So I got a few pamphlets for them. Very cool. So you made your way back to the ship. And what time did y'all leave? Um, it was probably all aboard was 4.30. Okay. And as per usual, we had some peer runners. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't. I don't know what it is with people not being able to get on the ship. So we probably left maybe about five twenty, five twenty-five. We were supposed to leave about five, and we ended up leaving a little late. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually thought somebody was like going to get left. I mean, because it was like there was a taxi that actually drove. Up on up to the ship, and I'm like, I didn't think they were allowed to do that. <laughs> so I, it was like very last minute because, like, they they literally were about to uh, miss the ship. Jeez. So, <laughs> so they they made it on board though, right? They did okay. at the very last minute. Very good. Uh, since you had kind of a sea day, uh, how was the ship on sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Um, it wasn't actually too bad. Um. It was very crowded, you know, because it was kind of chilly outside when we were supposed to visit Coco Cay. Solarium was actually pretty much slammed Mm -hmm. because it's enclosed. (laughs) So it it has a retractable roof. But um, the one of the bonuses with the solarium is it's enclosed. So it's obviously warmer in there and it has a really nice pool. 
Um, I didn't end up getting into the pool. I just did the hot tub. But you kind of, we had to kind of wait around until, you know, some people, you know, it was kind of a waiting game to try to get into uh, the hot tub because we had to wait for people to get out so we could get in. Because, like, everybody was in the solarium mm-hmm. that particular day. I don't think there was anybody swimming out on the main, I think maybe the kids were because they're just fearless. Right, exactly. With, <laughs> with the water. So you make your way back to Miami. How was the debark process? Um, it was actually pretty good. Um, we uh, had to be kind of really off the ship early because um, my husband, you know, it's a five and a half hour drive mm-hmm. from Miami back to Jacksonville, Florida. And um, my husband was going to be working that night. So I think we walked off the ship. We were in the suite. So this it had priority disembarkation. Um so I think we were off the ship. It was like from the ship to the curb, maybe like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's it fast. Was, it was really fast. It was really fast. And, you know, my one of I always I've, I know I've said it before, but use a porter. Yeah. If you if you have more than three bags, it, it definitely pays to use a porter because you can just give them the bags and you can have them take your bags out. And my husband went to go get the car and he picked up our bags and away we went. Yeah. We were just talking with Sherry about that. Uh, in Miami, is there an express line? I don't want to say express line, but is there like a priority line for porters to use? That's a little quicker than standing in customs for, you know, like in a queue. Oh yeah, yeah. most definitely. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. You got to, you got to yeah. use a porter. Most definitely. Because then you've got all these people zigzagging in mm-hmm. line and then you've got a porter that just goes zoop. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, see ya. As if disembarkation morning isn't bad enough, you wait, you know, six lines deep to see a customs agent to get questioned. Exactly, exactly. And also, I'm like, I'm using a porter. I'll pay ten, fifteen dollars or yeah. something. I don't. It's worth it. Yeah. Well, at least you parked at the pier, and the the part of the parking wasn't that bad, right? Like what, sixty bucks? Yeah, it was about. Yeah. I think it's twenty two dollars a day, okay. which. You know, I kind of budgeted for that just because, like I said, I didn't want to have to mess with doing the shuttle, waiting for the shuttle, um, you know, and I, because I, that was actually the first time I think that I've cruised out of Miami. So I was kind of a little weary of the offsite parking places, you know, being safe and my car being safe. And I was told, you know, hey, you should just park at the port. Yeah. Your car will be safe. You know, because, you know, Miami, oh, my gosh, Miami traffic is horrible. <laughs> yep, yes, it is. Oh, um, it's horrible. Looking back over this sailing, do you have any first-time tips to offer? Um, like I said, just, you know, if you sail out of Miami, um, definitely do your research. Because it's, you know, as far as where to park, where to stay, um, it definitely makes a difference because... And, you know, certain times of the day, you're going to have a really hard time getting around town. Um, we ended up uh, Ubering to uh, our pre-cruise meetup that, um, you know, we, we ended up versus taking our car. Because I just, you know, there's the parking is an issue in Miami. It's, yeah. a, it's a big time issue because they do not, um, they don't have places for people to park. You, they only have valet parking. So you kind of have to weigh the cost of paying someone to do valet park your car versus taking an Uber mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and just, you know, having the Uber driver drop you off and pick you up. And we actually made out better taking the Uber versus having to valet park our car. I I think that you should probably also share the tip. Don't arrive to the pier at 930 in the morning. Do (laughs) not, do not arrive at the pier at before 9.30. We've been talking with Kathy, who just returned from a three-night uh, cruise on Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas, a Super Bowl cruise to Bahamas. Kathy, God bless you. Thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thank you so much for having me. I always love chatting with you. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.